from the visionary minds of the guys who brought you the hit series, Reboot, comes movies we were way too young to see. A podcast series that is exactly what it sounds like. Gentlemen, and welcome to Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. A look at some of the most influential films we grew up watching, regardless of parental approval. I am your co-host Mowgli, and sitting next to me, as always, the man, the myth, the Malv. Welcome back, guys. Thank you guys for showing up again. Hello, Malv. Hello again, audience, and thanks once again for listening to our special Easter edition episode of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. Malv, with this being the Lenten season and me identifying as a Catholic, <laughs> this is a rather important time of the year. This is a time of reflection, a time of repentance, and a time of preparation for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And what better way to honor Holy Week than by discussing a movie marred in so much controversy it isn't even available on any streaming platforms. Take that, Netflix. We're talking about the 1999 comedy-drama religious adaptation, Dogma. The only way to watch it is if you own the out-of-print on-home media and you know what? Lucky for us, we are giant nerds, and we love physical copies. I know I still buy physical copies, and now this makes me want to buy it more because now you don't know when a film is, if it may never be streamed. Yeah, <laughs> nerds rejoice, right? <laughs> a small victory, but a victory nonetheless. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, should we get into it? Let's do this. All right. The log line. Two fallen angels who were ejected from paradise find themselves banned in Wisconsin. They are now headed for New Jersey, where they find a loophole that can get them back into heaven. The only catch is that it will destroy humanity. A group bands together to stop them. Pretty interesting, yeah? Sounds like an epic, actually. (laughs) The film is rated R for strong language, including sex-related dialogue, violence, crude humor, and some drug content. Not just some. (laughs) It was released on November 12th, 1999, and was written and directed by Kevin Smith. Don't forget, he also starred in it, Mowgli. Yes, he did, Malv. Yes, he did. Let's go ahead and mention this all-star cast, shall we? Beast. As the fallen angels, Bartleby and Loki, we have Ben Affleck and Matt Damon playing Bethany, the protagonist of the film, struggling with her faith. We have Linda Fiorentino, Alan Rickman, plays Metatron, the voice of God. Chris Rock is Rufus, the 13th apostle who was left out of the Bible because of his skin color. George Carlin is the self-righteous Cardinal Glick. Selma Hayek plays Serendipity the Muse. Jason Lee plays Azrael, another muse who has fallen from the grace of God. Hey, did you know he was a pro skateboarder? Oh, yeah, no dub, bro. Come on. Okay, I'm just... You knew knew I knew. All right, (laughs) audience, if you didn't know, now you know. Jason Mewes and Kevin Smith play the always vulgar yet always endearing Jay and Silent Bob. I didn't realize how raunchy and vulgar Jay and Silent Bob actually were. 
Uh, they are obsessed with sex. Jason Mewes, every time. He's trying to get it every time he can. You're so right, though. But even as a kid, I remember laughing at those. I couldn't remember it, but it fits the character. And, like, what makes it dope, too, is, like, he's supposed to be a prophet in this movie. And this is probably, like, one of the first or maybe only movies where we see a prophet using, like, language like this. Like, such vivid, like, sexual language. Bud Court from Harold and Maude fame. He plays John Doe Jersey. And as the creator of existence, the Alpha and the Omega, playing God, we have Alanis Morissette. Okay, Malv, it's not movies we were way too young to see without revealing the age you were in which you first saw the film. So go ahead and let the audience know, how old were you when you first saw Dogma? I remember I wanted to see it when it came out, but I didn't. I probably saw it like around 2001. I was like 11 years old, and I know for sure it it was a recommendation from my my brother-in-law. I know we've had to have seen like Jay and Silent Bob recently, and I'm probably sure like, hey, if you like this, you should watch this and this, and like... Boom, that's what I did. I went to the library. I know I rented this and most likely Chasing Amy at the same time. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't remember anything like back then from my first viewing. I just remember like, oh, my God, this is funny. Jay and Silent Bob are still hilarious. All the main themes, all like the like real stuff you're supposed to like get from this movie, I did not get. Went way over my head. How about you, though? Yeah, I had to agree, too. This was definitely a movie I rented at the library when it came out on uh, VHS. It was my cousins talking about it, telling me how funny it was. Um, they kept on reciting the Chris Rock scene about how he knows Jesus. Mm. Not- <laughs> <laughs> In this version of the movie, Jesus is not only African-American. He owes Chris Rock's character $12, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, they kept on reciting that. And definitely, Mal, this was my first introduction to Jay and Silent Bob. The vulgarity, the fart jokes, I, that's what I remember. That's what I remember the most. And yeah, I was way too young to understand the the more serious concepts of this movie. Another scene that comes to mind, though, is when we first meet Alan Rickman's character, Metatron. And uh, he, like, goes to Bethany's room, and he's, like, in the well, fire. Yeah, <laughs> and he pulls down his pants. You remember that? Yeah, and he's like, I look like a Ken doll. Yeah. <laughs> he's androgynous. And you see it, and uh, it definitely looks like a Ken doll. So I'm, like, 9 or 10 when I'm watching. I was like, what is that? <laughs> Why don't I have that, Mommy? <laughs> Well, we were mentioning the controversy surrounding this movie. We went ahead and picked three scenes that we feel capture the controversy the most of this film, right? Yep. And let's go ahead and start with the intro of this movie. A disclaimer. What is it saying? Well, Kevin Smith actually goes and tells you what the definition of dogma is, you know, and how it pertains to religion. And then he definitely goes and tells you that this is a fantasy that he's writing. Just watch this as a movie. Be open-minded. After the disclaimer, we have Bud Court as John Doe Jersey hanging out on the Jersey Shore. He is eventually attacked by a group of roller hockey goons. Did you notice, though, that one of the shirts that he was wearing? Yes, I already know what you're talking about. That's what I was going to say. That was my hand. Hellboy. That's why I wanted to call them Hellboys, you know, because, like, it's a reference to the actual comic. And if you guys know Kevin Smith, he's a huge, huge comic nerd. So, like, I love that little touch, and it's because it represents who those characters are. They're, they are literal hell boys, you know? A very subtle uh, cue from that is each time they're rollerblading, you can kind of hear flies. <laughs> so they beat John Doe Jersey into a coma. He's on life support. No one knows who he is. Uh, the next part of that is Cardinal Glick. He's upset about the current state of Catholicism. He's treating it like a movie, right? He's trying to reboot the franchise to save religion. 
Uh, he's rededicating this this church. He brings out a new symbol of Catholicism. Gone is the cross, the crucifix. In is now the Buddy Christ statue, right? Classic. And that was everywhere, man. Like, when the movie came out, I just remember, like, figures. I remember bobble figures for the car that were for sale. Like, Buddy Christ was everywhere. But the most, most horrible is Loki's conversation with the, the nun. Like, I know that had to, like, get them angry, you know? Loki... Always the mischievous one. He is convincing a nun that God doesn't exist based on the walrus and carpenter little bit from Alice in Wonderland. Uh, eventually, they discover that Glick is rededicating a church. They're making their way to New Jersey. It's their last four days on Earth. And what do they say? Let's kill people. <laughs> so I can see already. Right, right. right. Where's the, oh my God, this is too much. Cause like, at one point, like you said, with the rededication, like the changing of the symbols, that's legitly messing with like Catholic doctrine and like symbology. And like religious films seem to get a lot of controversy. I believe when the people don't see eye to eye with the filmmakers. Well, at the beginning, the, the Catholic League actually denounced the film as blasphemy. So they started setting up protests and uh, they wanted the film to not be shown at all because they've found a, a script online, a leaked early version. They found it, like you said, the vulgarity and like the subject matter was just too much for them. And uh, audience didn't really listen, though. This became, at the time, Kevin Smith's highest grossing film. Didn't Kevin Smith show up to one of those protests? Yeah, and it's one, you guys have to see this. He talks about it, how he made his own sign saying dogma is dog shit. And that's what, like, the news, like, cameramen saw. They decided to come to him. And he would just, you know, the way he is as a comedian saying, like, yeah, I don't know why, like, you know, this movie is just horrible. People should just protest it. And, like, the reporter's asking questions, like, have you seen? He's like, God, no, it's just because these people tell me to protest. That's why I'm here. He was trolling them, yeah. yeah? straight up, you know? I think that's what a lot of these people, the Catholic League, were saying that Kevin Smith was denouncing religion, that he was doing it, like, he was making people turn away from it but i found that completely the opposite you know i think if you go into a film with already certain biases in your head and you're not open-minded you're just going to feel all those things you're already thinking you know you have your own little echo chamber in your head it's like this this movie can't joke about jesus this movie shouldn't joke about the apostles it's like i feel like he wasn't demeaning it he was just using that world as his creative tool to explain what was going on in his mind and his, and his soul, you know, like his religious soul at the time. Another scene that really stuck out to me is the movies scene. Movies, for those who aren't familiar with the Kevin Smith universe, is this McDonald's-type franchise mm -hmm. that runs the world. They have, you know, they're everywhere. Um, don't they have material, too, like real-life material? And then yeah, they do the, a pop-up. The little, the little uh, yeah, yeah the little, here in L.A. Yeah, they, yeah. they did a pop-up, too. So, yeah, they're like a McDonald's-type restaurant. They have movies, television shows, and all of the execs that run it are super corrupt. And this is this is one of the last killing sprees that, they're, that Loki and Bartleby want to go on before they get to heaven. So in that scene, they show up to the exec meeting, and then they reveal everyone's dirty laundry in front of everyone. So good. One of them disowned his gay son. Another one used the company credit card to, you know, pay for boys in Thailand, right? <laughs> and then another one is like had approved toys with a hazardous chemical because it was cheaper. And I always remember that scene the most when I was a kid because you have the, the child's music playing and it just reminded me a lot of 
Clockwork Orange, where you had Singing in the Rain playing while that woman, she was getting sexually assaulted. The same with this. I had a little bit of parallels to this. You had this very jovial children's music. Uh, you like, actually, yeah, you I love that. Yeah, yeah like you don't actually music. see the, the the killings, but like you hear the gunshots, and then you see blood splatter on the like movie door handle. Uh, and the whole reason too is like they're worshiping a false idol, the they, golden calf, bro. Come on, come they, on. That's they, that's how good his Kevin Smith's like writing is. That is so good. Obviously, he's telling you, like, look at Mubi is literally a golden calf in the Bible. That was a false idol. But again, it's just showing, like, it doesn't matter where you are in society or what you do as a job or where people think you you are in standing in society. People are shitty. These companies are run by corrupt businessmen. He shows us this little scene and just say, look at what you follow. The people you follow aren't necessarily the people to follow and put your whole heart in and not not more importantly not put your money in so much you know because movie is such a huge corporation in that world bartleby and loki are not god they're not god they're instruments of god so they do not have the right to judge others even though they may be right they just remind me of like the, the famous quote, let he without sin be the first to cast a stone. Yeah. And no one can cast the stone because we are all sinners. That's right. Even you, listeners. <laughs> Especially you, listeners. Especially you. You know who I'm talking to. I'm looking right at you. <laughs> Don't change it. Right? <laughs> no, no, no. You better, you better sit in here and listen to this. I can see between your ears right now. That's where I'm at. So, yeah. Um, it was just great writing, great filmmaking, and just great terror that you invoked. Yeah. It made me think, it's like, dang, everyone's watching. <laughs> and the final one I wanted to talk about is Bartleby's speech to Loki after they have been thrown out of the train, after their first encounter with Bethany and company, uh, after they discover that both the heavenly realm and the underworld are looking for them because their actions have dire consequences on all, on all aspects, right? It will destroy all existence on all spheres in the world. So... Loki, who in this film was the... Angel of death. Yes, he was the angel of death. He is having second thoughts about this. And it's, it's, it's Ben Affleck's performance, is his speech, and uh, it's, it's jealousy towards humans. It's his jealousy towards humans that really kind of stuck to me. And that, that just, uh, I wanted to go ahead and go ahead and mention the speech that he's, yeah. he's, he's talking about. So Bartleby... In the middle of a parking lot, he's like, these humans have besmirched everything God has bestowed upon them. They were given paradise. They threw it away. They were given this planet. They destroyed it. They were favored best above all his endeavors, and some of them don't even believe he exists. And in spite of it all, he has shown them infinite patience at every turn. Very passionate deliverance by Ben Affleck. You could see the the emotion in there and just... It made me think of this a couple weeks ago. I was in church, and uh, it reminded me of this story that's about jealousy and selfishness. Basically, we have two brothers. One of them has been loyal to his father. The other one is going off to explore, do his own stuff. The younger brother is the one who does that. I'm going to compare the younger brother to what humans are. We are selfish. He spends all of his money, he's filled with regret and remorse, and he comes back to his father seeking forgiveness, seeking acceptance. And his father immediately takes him in. He prepares this massive feast for him, he's all about celebrating him, and the older brother, who's been there, who's been loyal to him this entire time, is just like, what? He's upset now, he's had enough of this. He's jealous of the favoritism, he's jealous of all of the chances that humans get on God, right? 
when you heard that, you felt like that was probably leech from the Bible, you know, or it had those words. Because even Loki says, like, man, you're starting to sound like Lucifer. The fallen <laughs> angel, right? Yeah. So, so Bartleby's had enough. He's waging war against God. Loki does not want anything to do with this. He knows what happens when people go up against God. No, and he's seen his, he's seen his friend above the edge. He's hit the edge. He's like, dude, you're not who you are anymore. You've forgotten everything we've trying to do. No, and I love that. Like, I love that story and that comparison. Again, Kevin Smith telling you or even showing you because, like, I feel this relates to the whole story of, like, people's faith, you know, being disrupted. Either, like, in the beginning scene with the nun, like, she's truly, truly being tested by Loki because he's telling her things to mess with her mind, you know, to try and confuse her. Whereas when you keep going, like, the movie scene just tells you, like, there's corruptness everywhere. All that glitters is not gold, you know? And with this speech, too, I feel like, to me, it's more representative, like, of the audience of or people who have been in church and lost their faith kind of feel sometimes. Because a lot of things that's brought up in this story, especially through Bartleby and Loki, and most mo, more Bartleby, is that he feels disconnected to God, just like Bethany. Like, where is God in my life? Where are you? Where, would I, where are you when I really need you? In the Dogma universe, Bethany's character is a great, 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 grand descendant of christ right earlier in her life it's it's revealed through the dialogue that she she uh her uterus is damaged she can't have a child and as a result of that her previous husband husband (laughs) left her he's living his best life with his new wife and she is completely hurt about that she wants to find that what she felt before before all the tragedy and stuff and i think it's like a pretty good message in a film like it shows like everybody has downs you know, but the thing is, like, you can't succumb to them because if you do, you're going to turn out like Bartleby and like Lo- maybe like Loki being a follower. You know, like what is like the depression stage? Like anger is one of them. Denial, like, anger, bardening, dabda. You know, that's what I say here, remember? Yeah. But like just like that, you know, and you see that through Bartleby. And like I think Kevin Smith, even though he wasn't trying to give you a direct message, was like, Don't be like that guy, that angry guy, you know, like just that cynical guy, you know. And I feel like a lot of people in the audience, the Catholic League, I bet you thought this movie was more of a cynical view on religion. You know, I don't find this movie to be cynical. You know, I find it trying to be the movie is supposed to be like you kind of not really questioning your faith, but like asking questions about your faith. You know, I feel like a lot of people don't want to do that, ask questions about it because they feel it will conflict with their faith. But for me, it's like you have to have these debates, you know, especially in serious things like this, like religion. You don't think nuns, priests, or any type of clergymen have gone and, like, questioned why they're there or what they're doing? I I feel like they're human beings. I think there has to be a point in some of their lives where they're like, am I doing the right thing? Is this what I'm doing? There had to be kind of a struggle. And I'm just using, you know, Martin Scorsese as like my example, because I know that like he actually wanted to go to the priesthood. And, you know, he has conflicting feelings about like church and how he grew up. And especially back then, I bet you it was way hardcore Catholic was hardcore back then. You know, like it was that was the top. That was the peak of it, like the 70s, I feel like before that, you know. It just showed a piece of what the movie was going to be about. It obviously showed how talented Kevin Smith was. You know, his dialogue is just so witty and, like, it's just so quick. And especially with Bartleby and Loki, like, Ben Affleck hits some lines and you're just like, you were good even as a youngster, you know? Great dialogue, I would have to agree. But according to decent films, 
a film appreciation website and criticism informed by the Christian faith. They did not think that Kevin Smith's dialogue was that witty or... Uh, <laughs> You're going to tell me it's vulgar? Or, yes, <laughs> or as, uh, as accurate as it could be. As I was doing my research for this movie, I wanted to get both sides of you know, the spectrum, the hardcore Catholic side mm-hmm. and then the filmmaking side. And I came across this Decent Films website. So with that being said, they are holding this film to the context of the Bible, right? And I think they make some solid points. But the main thing, and we get that in the disclaimer, is that this is a comedy mm-hmm. and the suspension of disbelief uh, is, is not there. They are not, they are not allowing themselves to be immersed in this universe for whatever reasons that may be. I also came across Roger Ebert's review of this film, and I wanted to go ahead and let the audience and you know about this. Quote, Those whose approach to religion is spiritual will have little trouble with dogma because they will understand the characters as imperfect, sincere, clumsy seekers trying to do the right thing. Those who see religion more as a team, a club, a hobby, or a pressure group are going to be upset. I think Decent Film's review of Dogma is proving what Roger Ebert was saying. And I want to go back to Ebert's quote. They're imperfect. They have flaws, but they are sincere, and they are trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're trying to do. They are trying to save humanity. They are given this task, and ultimately they do succeed in it. Yeah. And if you look at the people who God has chosen in the Bible— None of them are perfect, yeah. and they're not supposed they're to be humans. perfect. They're humans. Yes, they're, they're not- humans. I think people forget that. Yes. The biblical figures, we can't forget, guys. Like, they went through their own changes. You have multiple ones who had their original names, but until they saw Christ and changed their lives, they changed their names and became a different person. They're only seeing the end result, like that end, you know, martyr, that end, that end picture at the church, uh, you know, in the mosaic. And it should be noted, though, Malv, that while they were human and they did make mistakes, they were remorseful for their actions and they forgave all of those who trespassed against them. I do believe that's what spirituality is supposed to do. Uh, you're supposed to go through these, these, these hurdles where you question it. It's supposed to make your, your faith stronger, your spirit stronger. Yes, you know? it's supposed to strengthen you. It's supposed to be individual to each person. No one spiritual journey is going to be the same True. because each person's relationship with God is different. Drop the mic with that. That was hard right there. I love that. Kevin Smith is actually doing this in his own authentic way. Yeah. That's who he is. He is vulgar. He is comedic. His style. His style is still there. And even Martin Scorsese, you were talking about him earlier, The Last Temptation of Christ, right? Mm -hmm. He did that in his own style that he has. Yeah. So, you know. And that had controversy as well. You know, it's just like, I think that's what I'm saying. Like, audience, certain audience members, like, they come to this, like he was saying, like, if, if you have a certain idea, if you're a certain part of a team, you're not going to like it because your team already has a bias towards it. You know, and I love I love Kevin Smith for this because, like you said, he kept his style. He could have been a little bit more straight edge, you know, try to make it a bit more serious. But, no, he's like, this is me. This is how I'm dealing on my journey. I'm going to show you my journey, and I, I'm, hopefully you can relate. They actually, when they hear religious film, I feel in their eyes, they, see, they think of, like, a Ben-Hur, Ten Commandments, The Passion, you know, like, there, this is a subject matter that's so heavy that the movie itself has to be just as heavy, you know, like for that identity, like that religious identity, like they feel like 
they're, they're saying to me essentially like, how could you do that? How are you telling me Jay and Silent Bob are prophets? Fart jokes? You know, shit demons? Like, you're telling me this? You know, and it's like, no, man, you have to modernize it up. Like, yes, like the same way he was making fun of wow Catholicism, how they're trying to amp up. Kevin Smith was literally doing that and just saying like, come on, guys, how many of us use vulgar language? How many of us, if the end of the world was truly happening and they picked us to save it? Like, you want to get laid. <laughs> you know, that, and like, yeah. you don't think we have so many skeletons in our closet? You know, it's yeah. like if somebody read mine, like, Malv is a prophet. Oh, my God. I remember what he did in 2025. Yeah, dude, I agree. I was definitely too young to understand these concepts, but it was the shit demon, and it was Selma Hayek that lured me in, bro. Right. <laughs> Candy girls. <laughs> Where does this film rank in the Kevin Smith universe for you? Okay, I'm gonna speak as I'm gonna put my my critique. I'm gonna put my Roger Ebert glasses on real quick. <laughs> uh, top five, and in mine, I would say top three. This is honestly one of my favorites: Jay and Silent Bob, Chasing Amy, and this one. Just really good pieces of art. Like you know, they make you think. They make you feel. They're hilarious. You know, they they got everything. And I feel just like it's more human. It's more real. I, Kevin Smith's a genius to me, man. I love him. I met the guy personally, and that made me love him even more. You met him in Comic-Con, right? Yeah, I met him at the early days of Comic-Con. Him and Jason Mewes had a, a Jay and Silent Bob booth because they used to have a store here in L.A., and I believe in their hometown uh, called Secret Stash. So I went there, you know, as a young high schooler. Man, I had like a 15-minute conversation with him. Like we were talking about from like Green Lantern, like when he was going to write the movie, like the stuff he did with the uh, Dark Knight and comics. And then, like, this other guy right behind me was trying to, like, interject into the conversation or, like, trying to, you know, like, hey, I'm up next, you know, like, sign my shit. And, like, Kevin Smith, I love him to this day because he literally, I remember his face, like, kind of put his arm out. I was like, yo, dude, hold up, man. I'm talking to this guy right now. Like, I'm having a conversation with him, and I'm going to get to you, you know, right? You know, jeez, you know, chill like, out. yeah, chill out, man. You're, everybody's going to get a turn. And that, for me, always, like, boom, put him on top for me. He can't do no wrong except for Jersey Girl. How about you? What do you feel? This was my first movie introduction to the Kevin Smith universe. It still remains my number one. Uh, I'd probably have to put Jane Silent Bob Strike Back as my second. Hilarious. And then Clerks as my three. So th those are my top three. Dogma, Jane Silent Bob, and then Clerks. We could tell the difference of our style. <laughs> I'm more of an artful man. You love them, them shit demon jokes. <laughs> yes, that's right. I think that's it for That's it, man. This is fun. I, like, we get so serious during our religious episode that happens once a year. Well, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sticking all the way to the end of this. Uh, we're sure there's going to be some questions that you guys have. Uh, but like Kevin Smith, this is our own interpretation, our own rendition of, of the way we are going on our own spiritual journeys. So let us know if you guys have any questions. And that is going to do it for today's Easter episode of Movies We Were Way Too Young to See. We always have a blast recording. We hope you have a blast listening. Questions, comments, anything like that feel free to email us at malvinmogley at gmail.com. Subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. And one more thing, follow us on social media, will ya? At malv underscore n underscore mogley. Mal, final thoughts. Don't eat peeps this weekend. <laughs> boy, boycott peeps. Boycott peeps. Happy Easter, everybody. <laughs> Stay safe. And thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>